table. It just gives you the, the, the rundown for the rest of the year. Um, and uh, I'm going to have Derek come on up. Uh, Derek Bogner, he uh, just uh, helps out a tremendous amount and leads the Saturday morning uh, devotional, uh, Saturday morning uh, prayer, prayer time for the guys. You can come out any Saturday morning at what time, Derek? 7.30. 7.30 a.m. They meet right here on the couches that are normally here and just uh, worship together, pray together, encourage each other. Um, I'd love to see you guys come out for that. But uh, he's going to head up uh, um, an activity that we got coming up in the next month, so I just wanted him to share a little bit about it. I usually don't use a microphone right. at 730. So, uh, yeah, good morning, guys. Do any of uh, you gentlemen have sons between the age of 5 and 14? If so, could you raise your hand? Okay, good. So um, in our quest to bring you the constant variety of fellowship <laughs> and fun, um, we are on June 5th. We're going to be getting together here. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a father-son trip up to Harper's Ferry, and we're going to do a, uh, a float trip. And uh, we've got uh, an outfitter that's going to set us up with some inner tubes. I'm not a good swimmer, so I'm going to bring my water wings, too. Just <laughs> but uh, we have done this before, and it's a blast to show up with your sons and just have a good time, bring some water, bring some sunscreen, and just have a nice, easy float. The guys have a great time. Uh, it's a beautiful drive up this time of year. And uh, if you don't have soccer going on, you get the double benefit of hanging out with your son, doing a float trip, and hanging out with guys like this. So you're going to see the announcement. I think it's coming up yep. this weekend. Yep. And I think the, the thing that you want to do is you need to make sure that you sign up because what we need to do is go to the outfitter, make sure we got the right amount of um, uh, people, and we got the right amount of support. And you also have to have your deposit. So there's going to be a sign-up sheet. But May 30th is kind of the cutoff, and so uh, you know, check the, the family calendars, check the weekend calendar, and if you can come on out. We've done this before, and it's just a great time. So we hope that many of you and your sons, age 5 through 14, can join us. Cool. All right, thanks. Yeah, the idea, guys, is, is most of our men's events are for high school guys and up, and so we wanted to give um, you know, opportunity for dads to uh, have younger, younger guys to do something together with the other men in the church so our kids can see... Um, us fellowshipping and how important it is to, to uh, be involved in, in church life and, and with each other. So, great event. You can go ahead and sign up. There's stuff back at the information booth on it. You just need to make your payment same time you sign up when you register, and the deadline is May 30th, so hope you, uh, you guys can make it. Um, we normally just take a few minutes, and not to put anybody on the spot, but we just love to meet uh, the, anyone that's new um, to, to our, our men's events, and so um, Maybe that's you if you're here uh, and you've never been to a men's event or uh, maybe new to the church in the last couple of months. We'd just love to meet you and greet you. And, uh, and so is there anyone here that might just want to stand up and say, hey, let us know, hey, this is my first time here or, or I've only been coming to church for a couple of months and let us know your name. And, and uh, is there anybody? Yes, go ahead. Uh, my name is Peter Brennan and my, me and my wife have been coming to the church since... Uh, maybe December, and we've been taking Daniel's troop project, and it's been a great, great. experience. Brandon, nice to meet you. Right. Yeah, yeah, glad you're here. Anybody else? Yeah. Right. Bob Pearson, I've just been coming since January. Bob Pearson, yeah. welcome, welcome. In the back. Awesome. Carrie, you said. Carrie? Okay. Nice to meet you.
Warren. Warren Redder. Uh, we actually just moved here April 15th. My wife has been coming for about a year, uh, bringing our grandchildren on uh, Wednesday nights. They live out here. We sold our house out in Bristow, Gainesville, uh, one day. <laughs> uh, sold it, moved out here. We're with them now. We are technically going to be here for a couple years, uh, building a house down at Lake Gaston. Uh, and we attended when we were at uh, Manassas, we were at Manassas Assembly of God. Great. Nice to meet you, Warren. <laughs> anyone else? Do you want to leave anyone else? Sanders have been coming to this church for four years on and off, and this is my first take of study on my 17th birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to, good to have you. Yeah. All right, you guys ready? Oh, one more. Yeah. Uh, my name's John Reardon. I've uh, been coming to the services for a number of months. I'm from 13 years old on Monday. <laughs> All right. So I figured he would squeak in. A yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Travis. Absolutely. Glad you're here. Um, I guess I can steal a little of, uh, I steal a little thunder for for Sunday. But if you haven't heard, um, the uh, council, the town council, on Tuesday night, uh, unanimously voted to accept our plan to rezone the property and to build on our 30 acres right over here. So praise the Lord for that sort of awesome thing. It was extremely uh, cool to sit there and just watch how the Lord had gone before us and that whole thing and how um, it was obvious that Cornerstone Chapel had a fantastic reputation in our community. They knew of who we were. They gave specific examples of how their children had been in our youth groups and we didn't even know it or had been involved with us in some way or they saw us do some outreach thing. Um, just across the board, they were um, excited about our project, excited that we're here as a church and a community and really see the benefits of um, a Bible teaching, believing uh, group of folks. And so they just unanimously uh, voted to accept our, our, our request. And so now... We're on to uh, getting permits, and uh, hopefully one of these days soon we'll have a church building up there. So we're excited. We're excited. You'll, I'm sure you'll, you'll hear a little bit more on Sunday, but I wanted to steal a little of the thunder this morning, let you guys know. All right, let's jump into a Bible study. If you have uh, your Bibles handy, uh, let's turn to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Now, if you don't have a, a Bible, just raise your hand. There's a couple guys that are um, passing those out for you. We're going to spend our time this morning answering the question, what kind of man receives guidance from the Lord? This is the question we're going to receive, uh, answer this morning. What kind of man receives guidance from the Lord? Now, another way we could ask it would be, what does that guy look like who is receiving God's counsel? What does that guy look like that's receiving God's counsel? I think Psalm, Psalm 25, excuse me, <clears throat> gives us some uh, clues as to what that type of guy looks like that is able to receive God's counsel. 
Um, we're going to be a few minutes before we get into that. You, you can be turned there, but I'm going to talk about a couple other things first before we actually read the text. Uh, when I was a kid, um, my family took a vacation all the way from Virginia out to Yellowstone National Park. It's sort of kind of like the, the Griswold family vacation. Uh, we had the, uh, the station wagon, you know, with the wood paneling all the way down the sides, and it had the seat, the, 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 you know, the third row seating that faced the wrong direction. You know those? It looked out the back window. And uh, we jumped in that thing and went all the way across the country to Yellowstone National Park. And, and you could lay those seats down all the way through the station wagon so two-thirds of the vehicle was flat. And, you know, we had all our stuff up on top, the car. And then my sister and I, we, we hung out there in the back. And, you, you know, you, that's where we would read or we would play games or sleep all the way out to Yellowstone National Park. So kind of a Griswold family vacation. And, and if you go to... Uh, Yellowstone, you have to go visit the geysers, right? You have to go see Old Faithful and all the, all the other geysers. And so uh, this is what we did. And um, pretty cool thing. I'd never seen anything like it. It's like uh, something from another planet, the way the, way the landscape is there. And, and, I, and, and I, the way I remember being set up um, was that all the visitors had to walk along this raised wood plank uh, walkway that was uh, raised a couple of feet off the ground and had railings, uh, wood plank railings down the sides. And, and that is how you got around. And this thing meandered all through uh, the basin there uh, around all of, the, all of the geysers and all of the, all of the pools, the sulfur pools and whatnot. And now the reason it was set up that way, and I'm assuming it's still similar to that today. It's been since I was a kid since I've been there. But the reason it was set up that way is because Basically, the entire area sits on a thermal base, basin um, where there are pools and geysers full of boiling hot water. So they had to, to make these platforms to walk on as you went out uh, through and meandered out throughout there. And, and I remember my, my mom, she, was, she made a joke kind of over and over again while we were there. And she said, um, and it was kind of the running joke for the day. She said, this is the only place I've ever been where people actually obey the signs to stay on the path. They had those signs posted everywhere. Please stay on the path. Please stay on the walkway. walkway. And that was a joke. This is the only place I've ever been where people actually obey the signs. And uh, it was kind of a funny thing. And that's what I thought was the case until I came across this. Um, MSNBC.com. Headline of the article is, Two Workers Fired After Peeing in Old Faithful. That grabs your attention, doesn't it? <laughs> Two Workers Fired After Peeing in Old Faithful. What in the world? All right, so Cheyenne, Wyoming. Two seasonal Yellowstone National Park concession workers have been fired after a live webcam caught them urinating into the old faithful geyser. Can you believe that? Park spokesman Al Nash said a 23-year-old man on Tuesday was fined $750 and was sentenced to three years probation for urinating, being off trail in a restricted area, and taking items from the area. The man was also banned from Yellowstone National Park for two years. Now, the other guy, the second employee's case was still pending at the time, and I don't, I'm not sure what happened to him. It says the park's dispatch center was called after someone watching a webcam on the geyser saw several employees leaving the trail and walking on Old Faithful 
on May 4th, and it goes on. And then, and then down farther in the article, it answers the question I was wondering all the way through as I was reading it. You know what that, that question was? Was the geyser going off? Because <laughs> that could be a problem, right? And it says the geyser was not erupting at the time. But what if it had been? Woo, could you imagine? Could you imagine the burns? <laughs> could you imagine where some of the burns would have been? New meaning to Yellowstone. Yes, yes, Yellowstone. <laughs> New meaning to the, to the word Yellowstone. Very good. Ta-dum-dum. <laughs> so anyway, what were, these, what were these guys doing? What were these numbskulls doing? I mean, they, they, they probably just wanted to have some good laughs and all that kind of thing, right? Um, and I'm, I'm sure that was the case. But the underlying thing there, I think, is a more serious matter. And that was, these guys didn't believe that the guidelines that were posted were meant for them. They didn't believe the guidelines that were posted were meant for them. The guidelines didn't apply to them. They knew better. They couldn't, they could handle it. They could handle it. They weren't going to get hurt. It was a stupid suggestion anyways, right? Can you hear that running through their head? They could handle this. And so they either didn't even consider the guidelines or they just decided to completely ignore the guidelines and did what they wanted to do. And we can take a few minutes and laugh at what they did and, and, and we did that. But the reality is, is how many times are we ourselves tempted in our lives to ignore or not even consider guidance that is available to us? How many times do we only listen to our own counsel, to only take our own advice, to go it alone, to rely on ourselves, to rely on our, just our experiences, to make decisions and to figure out what to do in different situations that come our way, to sometimes think that, that I am the best equipped person to determine what to do or how to handle this thing that has come up. I mean, as men, this is sort of how we are, isn't it? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest about it. This is who we are, all right? This is who we are. Um, I don't know about you, but I can, I can pretty, pretty much be self-sufficient and, and pretty much think I'm right about 99% of the time. Um, I mean, if everyone would just listen to me, this world would be a much better place, right? Has anyone ever said that here before? Yeah? Everyone would just listen to me. This world would be a much better place. Um, and so the reality is, guys, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, that men don't like to be guided by anyone other than themselves. We don't trust it. And it's scary to rely on someone else's guidance or someone else's direction. We don't trust it, and it's scary. Now, not that I've ever been lost while driving. <laughs> but if that somehow were to happen sometime out in the future, I could envision this scenario playing out with my wife in the car. The setup would be I'm driving, she's in the passenger seat, and we've gotten a little confused as to where we're going. And so I tell her to get out the map and kind of get us back on right course. And so she's reading the map, trying to guide me to our destination. 
And not that this has ever happened before, but this is how I would envision it happening if it actually did. I think I would begin as we were driving along, and she's trying to read the map and give me guidance on how to get where we're going. I would begin to say things in a slightly raised tone, just slightly, and say things like, what's that street name again? You, you've got to let me know sooner. We already went past that. <laughs> you've got to let me know. What's that street name again? Are you sure you're reading that right? Are you sure you got that right? Are, are you looking at that correctly? Let, let me see it. Let me see it. And I'm pulling off the side of the road, and I'm taking the map, and now I'm looking at it for myself. I mean, not that that has ever happened, mind you. Not that that has ever happened, but that's what I could envision happening maybe sometime down the road. So, I said, this is who we are, guys. This is who we are. Self-made, self-reliant, independent Christian men. That's, that's actually an oxymoron, independent Christian men. We're not supposed to be independent, but you get my point. Um, we are men that struggle with not only taking counsel from someone else, but we struggle with even seeking it out to begin with. But this has never been God's plan for us. It's never been his plan for us. And because we are his children, we are his children, and and he cares for us as his children, and he desires to guide us and to teach us as his children to disciple us just like we want to do for our children, to direct, to teach, to instruct, to guide, to disciple our children. God desires to do that for us. That's his plan. That's his motive. That's his love for us. Just listen to these promises from his word in regards to his desire to guide us. Psalm 23, 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. Psalm 25, 9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Psalm 48, 14, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even to the very end. Psalm 73, 24, You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Isaiah 30, 21, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. Here I'm pleading with you almost. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So these are promises from God. This is what he wants to do. He wants to be our guide. He wants to be our counselor. And he will. He promises he will if we will let him. Uh, I quickly jotted down a list of some decisions or situations that most of us will find ourselves in at some point or another in our lives. It's just a, just a, a quick sampling of decisions and, and situations that all of us will, most of us will find ourselves at at one point or another in our lives. Should I go to college, trade school, or into the military? What school should I attend? Should I date this girl? Should I be dating this girl? 
<laughs> Should I marry this girl? What occupational field should I work in? What is God calling me to? Where should I go to church? What area should I serve in within the church? Should I let my daughter date this boy? Should I let my son go to that party? Should I buy that house or that car? What should I do with our tax return this year? Should I make this investment? Should I go into partnership with this person? Should I change jobs? Should I be changing careers? Should I move mom in with us or should I put her in assisted living? What do I say to my coworker who's going through a divorce? How do I talk to this person who stabbed me in the back? And the list goes on and on and on. Guys, we need to rely on God's counsel. We have all kinds of decisions and situations in our lives. And there's hundreds and hundreds of smaller ones in between those bigger ones that come up all the time. And we need God's counsel. And as I said before, God truly desires and promises us to give his guidance to us. But he doesn't just give it to anybody. He doesn't just give it to everybody. He doesn't just give it to anybody. He gives it to men that have certain characteristics about them. And I believe there are five we can look at together right here in Psalm 25. I'm sure there are more, but there are five right here in Psalm 25 that are characteristics of a man that God will give guidance to. And so let's read the first 15 verses together. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, and you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare. All right. So the first characteristic of a man the Lord can counsel is found right there. In verse 1 and 2, and it's that he trusts God. God can counsel a man that trusts him. It says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, and you I trust, O my God. You and I have to be willing to trust the Lord if we want his guidance. 
God can only guide those willing to accept what he gives. Think about that. He can only guide those that are willing to accept what he gives. If there is not a real, deep faith or trust in the Lord, then you're not going to take his guidance or his counsel. The two go hand in hand. You might take his counsel on some things, but you're not going to on other things. You will when it's easy, but you won't when it's hard. And you won't take his guidance if you don't trust him, especially with those things that might cause you to move in a direction that you are not comfortable with. Because you don't trust him. Or you might not take his guidance on things that will require you to take a step of faith. Or take counsel from God that may even seem to be counterintuitive in some way. That is why a lot of guys don't even ask or seek God's counsel on certain matters. They won't even do it. It's because they're afraid of the answer. They're afraid of the direction he may give, and it scares them. So they don't even ask or seek God's counsel. The Hebrew word for trust that's used here in verse 2 is batak, batak. It means to have confidence in, to be bold, to be secure in. In other words, it means to set one's hope, to set one's hope and confidence upon someone else. That's literally what it means, to set one's hope and confidence upon someone else. So let me ask you the question. Have you set your hope and your confidence upon the Lord? Do you truly believe that his best is best for you? That if you trust him completely and listen to his counsel and take his counsel, that it will go well with you? Do you believe that? Are you confident enough in God to trust that he will do a better job guiding your life than what you can do? That's the question. That's the question. That's the challenge. And it's a tough one, man. It's a, it's a tough one for us. <clears throat> but we've already read about some of the promises that God has given and how much he desires to lead his children, to lead you beside still waters, to be your guide through your entire life all the way to the end, to lead you into all truth, and on and on it goes. The question is, will you trust him to guide you? Are you confident in God? Well, the second characteristic is found in verse 4. It says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. The man that God will give guidance to is the man that seeks it. Show me your ways, O God. You can hear David almost pleading that. Show me. The man that God will give guidance to is the man that seeks it, the man that asks for it, a man that has a longing and a deep desire to know God's will for his life and to be guided, be guided by him. This is the kind of guy that God can guide. 
one that's craving God's counsel. Asking for it, seeking it, regularly going before him. God, show me your ways. That's the guy that God will guide. Luke eleven thirteen tells us, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then in John 16, we are told a little bit about what the Holy Spirit will do. It says there in John 16, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Do you crave the Holy Spirit's guidance? You crave the Holy Spirit's guidance. How often are you asking God to impart his wisdom and counsel to you through his spirit? God will only counsel those that seek it and ask for it. All right, look with me, verse 5 again. It says, guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. It says, guide me in what? What does it say? Guide me in what? In truth. Number three is the Lord will counsel those who know his word. The Lord will counsel those that know his word. And when I say know his word, I mean to be saturated by it. To consume it daily. To devour it. This is, it's, it's not going to it when, uh, I'm, just when I'm in a particular situation or I'm in trouble and I don't know where to turn. It, I'm talking about a lifestyle of knowing God's word, being in God's word, being saturated by God's word. That's the kind of guy that God will give counsel to. To have it so ingrained in your heart and in your mind that God's wisdom and counsel just becomes a part of who you are, part of your life. God's word is his primary system for guidance. It's his primary system for guidance. It's full of wisdom. It's full of truth. It's full of all the things that God desires for us in this life. It's his way of telling us his guidance for us. And that's why we call the Bible what? The whole counsel of God. That's what we call it. The Bible is the whole counsel of God. And by being in it and reading in it and learning from it, uh, we will gain the wisdom to perceive God's direction for our lives. The man who is saturated in the Word of God will find God's counsel. It's a promise to us. Number four, it's found in first, verse 8 and 9. Let's read that together. It says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners in His ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. So number four is, Uh, Another characteristic of a man who God will counsel is that he will seek God's guidance in humility. He'll seek God's guidance in humility. In humility. It's interesting to me here how how David 
groups these two phrases together. He, how he, he takes here and he says that God instructs the sinner in his ways and he guides the humble in what is right. He instructs the sinners in his ways and he guides the humble in what is right. And I think it's because he does it that way because both the sinner who is seeking forgiveness... Okay, he knows where he is, and, and, and he's, it's been revealed to him, and he's standing there with sin, who's seeking forgiveness, and the person who has been humbled in some way, all right, some way before God. Both of those people recognize they have a need for God. The person who's in, who, who has had sin come in their life, and, and they've recognized it, and a person who has stood before God has been humbled in some way. Those people get it. It's, they're at a place where they're willing to recognize their need for God. And they come to God in a willing attitude, in, a, in a admitting their need, if you will. Um, they come with an attitude of brokenness, in other words. They come to God with an attitude of brokenness. They say, God, I need your forgiveness. God, I need your mercy. God, I need your instruction. God, I need your counsel. God, I need your guidance in my life. It comes from a place of humility. And they they come having the right attitude of heart um, and, and a right heart before God to come and ask, Lord, I seek you. I seek your counsel. And uh, God always will guide that kind of heart, that kind of person. One that comes humbly before the throne and says, God, I, I, I just need you. I, I, I just am desperate for you. I, I need forgiveness. I need your direction. I, I lay my life down before you. I can't do this on my own. Help me, show me, guide me, lead me in your way, lead me in your truth. This is the kind of guy that God can uh, guide. The proud, on the other hand, don't think they need instruction or counsel. They cannot be taught by God, someone with pride, because they're unwilling to receive it. They're unwilling to take instruction or correction. Proverbs is full of verses that talk about the man that's unwilling to receive instruction or correction and how it's folly. Proverbs 123 says, if you had, just listen to God's heart. Proverbs 123 says, if you had only responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. You hear God's heart in that? If you had only humbled yourself, if you had only responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. I think that's pretty cool. Another passage says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So be humble, guys. Be humble before the Lord, and you'll be in the proper place to receive his instruction and his counsel. And the last one, number five, we find it in verses 12 through 14. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? 
He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. And so the last one is that those that have a proper fear of the Lord will be guided by God. Those that have a proper fear of the Lord will be guided by God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. I think simply stated, the fear of the Lord means to recognize God for who He truly is. That's, that's what that means. To fear the Lord is to truly recognize Him for who He is. Holy, almighty, pure, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, just, righteous, victorious, on and on. This is who God is. It's a proper respect of God. It's having a healthy reverence for who He is. And it's putting God in His rightful place which then causes us to put ourselves in our rightful place in terms of our relationship with him. This kind of reverence and awe, putting God there and putting ourselves here, allows God to be able to instruct us and to guide us. See, we are now, when we do that, when we truly see God for who he is, when we have a healthy awe and respect of God, and we understand how awesome God is and we put ourselves in our proper relationship to him that is when we will respect him and will be under his authority not until then when we have a proper view of God it causes respect and it causes us to be willing to submit to his authority and to be able to sit at the great teacher's feet and to feel privileged and blessed to be able to sit there and receive his counsel. The man who fears God is a man that can receive God's guidance. All right, there you go. Five characteristics of a guy, of a man, that is able to receive counsel and guidance from the Lord it's hard for us but here's an example of someone that did it you have to trust him trust that his guidance is perfect and good second you have to go seeking and asking for it thirdly you have to find it in his word fourth you have to come in humility and fifth you need to have a healthy fear and respect to the Lord so, that's what I got for you guys this morning. Um, I'm sure I'm the only one in the room that deals with these matters. <laughs> um, but uh, I doubt that. I think this is a struggle for, for us. It's why I think the Lord wanted to talk about it to us today. And um, what is it for you? Which one of those for you is something that um, maybe just needs a little work? Maybe a little g- gentle reminder? Um, Is it trust? Is it just really being able to say, maybe even for the first time, 
okay, God, I'm, I'm going to lay it down, and I'm going to trust you with it all. What is it for you? Is it forgetting to ask? Is it getting too busy? Too self-assured? Whatever it might be. What is it for you? I just want to take a few minutes and let's pray. Um, Let's go before the Lord. Seek his face. And just let's ask him about this this morning. Father, we just come to you and we just search our hearts, Lord. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. And you know where uh, we get in the way of allowing you to be the one that is guiding us. So, Father, just examine our hearts this morning. Help us see um, what might need to change, what we need to be aware of. Just show us, Lord. We, uh, we come to you, Lord. Um, we mess up over and over again, God, but you are gracious. You are patient. You, are, uh, you extend mercy. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. But teach us this morning, Lord God. Show us what it is you want from us, Lord. Uh, And Lord, we just take this time this morning just to say to you, Father, we admit our need for you. We admit our need for you to be the source of our life, the source of truth, the source of everything, Lord, that we need. And so, Lord, we just lay our lives down. We give it to you this morning. Help us, Lord, as we go from here to just continually to trust you with our lives. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, I pray you just bless these guys. Lord, use them in a mighty way uh, for your kingdom, Lord, in all the different ways you have them spread out across this county. Uh, Use them, Lord, I pray. Bless them, bless their families. And uh, we just thank you. We give you praise, glory, and honor for everything that you are, everything that you do. And we just love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks. Hey, right on time, 9.30. How about that?